This is a special Walker Cup episode. The Back of the Range Golf Podcast will introduce you to the finest amateur golfers in the United States. Some have competed in major championships, others have won USGA titles, and many have been named All-Americans. The one thing they all have in common? They all want to be one of 10 men chosen to represent their country at the 47th Walker Cup matches at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. This is The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome back to The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. It's finally here. This is U.S. Amateur Week. The finest amateurs in the world kick off the stroke play portion of the tournament today. 18 holes on Pinehurst number two, another 18 on Pinehurst number four, with the low 64 advancing to match play. This is the final tournament before the U.S. Walker Cup team is selected, so it will be very interesting to see how the Walker Cup team hopefuls fare at Pinehurst. So while you're following the U.S. Amateur, the road to Hoylake will give you some backstory on some of the best American amateurs vying for a spot on the Walker Cup team. Just a quick reminder to you all, our friends at AmateurGolf.com are providing incredible coverage this week from Pinehurst for the U.S. Amateur, but they cover the amateur side of the game each and every week. Scores, articles, schedules, commentary, everything. So go to their website, AmateurGolf.com, enter the code BOTR, and you'll get a free 90-day trial on that site. So go check that out. No credit card needed, none of that stuff. It's free. BOTR is the code. On to our guests on this episode of The Road to Hoylake, Pearson Cootie from Texas and the recent graduate and national champion from Stanford, Isaiah Salinda. Pearson and his twin brother Parker helped lead Texas to the national championship final match along with the other freshman phenom on the team, number one ranked amateur in the world, Cole Hammer. Pearson won the Transmiss Championship this year and is the number 14th ranked American in the World Amateur Golf Rankings. He's had top 20 finishes in the Northeast and the North and South Amateur this summer. He's in a great position to grab a spot on the team with a deep run at the USAM. The national championship match between Texas and Stanford was tight, and Stanford benefited from their seniors Brandon Wu and Isaiah Salinda. You'll hear more from Brandon later this week before the Road to Hoylake series concludes. Actually, I did speak to both of them earlier this year on episode 73. The link to that episode is available in the show notes of this episode, so if you want additional information on Brandon and Isaiah, I recommend checking that out. Isaiah had tremendous success in the U.S. Amateur last year at Pebble Beach by reaching the semifinals. Isaiah is the number 19th ranked amateur in the world and had a solid finish at the Pac Coast Amateur where he was the defending champion. Before we get to these conversations, just some quick housekeeping here. Remember, subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get the latest episodes in this series. Follow along on social media. All the links to our social media channels are available at thebackoftherange.com. And now, just like we've done in every other episode in this series, let's welcome back Julie Williams, Managing Editor at AmateurGolf.com, to get some additional thoughts about these two American hopefuls. Julie, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm coming down from the women's am and about to go right back up for the USAM. <laughs> uh, exactly. So it's just all USGA all the time for you right now. Um, That's right. So it is. Uh, we are here. Uh, it's you know it's it's Monday, August twelfth. This is the first day of stroke play leading into the US Amateur at Pinehurst. 
it's a big ask and a big question, but if you had to go with the the top thing you're really curious about seeing today in stroke play, you know, with two courses, you got the two and the four, what's one of the key things that you're focusing in on on the first day of stroke play today? So I think in the first day of stroke play, well, the first day of any USGA event, first day of any tournament, you know, you can't win it, but you can really put yourself in a bad position. So I'm looking to see how these courses sort of separate the field, who might have, you know, a really terrible day and that I might not be expecting that makes it really hard for them to get themselves up into that top 64. But I talked to um, the U.S. Mid-Am runner-up, Brett Boner, last week, and he said something really smart and I liked. It's that, you know, you don't really have to play fantastic golf in the first two rounds. You got to play passable golf to get into that top 64 and then you know it resets but patience is the word of the day for the first round i would say obviously this is a guy that's been there and made a really deep run in the usga championship i think the other fascinating thing about the u.s amateurs that you see all walks of life you're going to see the junior studs like you know akshay batia and ricky castillo you're going to see the you know, the established mid-ams like, you know, Stuart Hagestad and, and Skip Berkmeyer and, uh, you know, uh, Scott Harvey. And then you'll, you'll, of course, you'll see some 14-year-old kid from, from somewhere get in and then a 60-year-old that'll get in. So, I mean, it's just, it's all, all walks. It, it, can, can you maybe tell a story about someone that you met in your time at the U.S. Amateurs throughout your experience with, uh, with AmateurGolf.com that maybe just is a story that's really kind of stuck with you over the last several years? That's a good point you make about there are so many age brackets covered and experience levels covered. I mean, there's three guys over the age of 56 who are going to play this tournament next week. So I maybe I'll, I'll start there in that 56-year-old category. Jeff Wilson, who won the U.S. Senior Amateur last year, he's a California guy. He's a, he is a guy who it's like, you know, especially if he gets on a match play bracket, he's just sneaky good and he just doesn't miss shots. So I, he's, he is longer than you would expect him to be too. I mean, he played the first couple of rounds last year next to Noah Goodwin, who was an SMU player who won the, who's a past champion at the U.S. Junior. Yeah. And he, and he's like next to, you know, to Noah Goodwin. He's, he is driving it comparably so you can't look at the older guys and say oh well they're giving up so much length but they have all of this experience and if they are you know able to you know they're probably able to hit some shots that the younger guys either you know don't have yet or aren't as comfortable with and just are able to look at it more calmly I mean Jeff Wilson is not a guy who is thinking gosh I really would like to get on that Walker Cup team this week you know so that's out of the picture So that's the really fascinating part of this. Um, I think somebody else, you know, it's just you're you're right that the kind of the maybe the older, more experienced players are just a little more interesting to look at. How about Garrett Rank coming into this thing, having won the Western Amateur? That's wild to me because I think those are super comparable tournaments in the fact that the best amateurs in the world are in both of those fields. So you can't say that. You know, I wouldn't say that the Western Amateur is in any weaker of a field. It's a smaller field. It's not any more, you know, it's not an easier golf course. So I think those are two really comparable experiences. The question is, could you do something like that, you know, tw- 
twice in three weeks that I would think that endurance really would come into play there. It's going to be very interesting to see all the stories. And there's always a story that shakes out and, and someone that comes out of nowhere. So I think that's one of the intriguing parts of the U.S. Amateur where you get to actually wait and see what happens and who makes match play. We will we'll definitely continue to talk throughout the week and throughout the U.S. Amateur, so I look forward to our conversations there. I want to get your thoughts on the two guests in this episode here on the Road to Hoy Lake series, uh, Pearson Cootie out of Texas and Isaiah Salinda, just a recent graduate from Stanford University. They definitely have a history. Both of their teams met in the national championship last year with Stanford coming on top 3-2 uh, to two in, the, in the final match play. Talk to me about the freshman Pearson Cootie of Texas and also the outgoing senior Isaiah Salinda of Stanford. We'll start with Cootie. He was part of a really tough Texas freshman class that included his twin brother, Parker, and Cole Hammer. And I think when the NCAAs ended, even though Texas did not come out on top, a lot of people are looking at this team going, well, you're bringing back these three freshmen. Um, You're bringing in um, a strong player in Travis Vick. So Texas looks really tough next year. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about um, Texas and the Cootie brothers. But um, being, you know, being one in a twins, um, you know, having a twin growing up and a twin that plays the same sport. I, I was talking to another um, of uh, Cootie's Texas teammates this summer at the Sunny Hand, and he said, you know, those guys, the Cooties are just relentless. You know, they just go at it. And so you can kind of figure that, they've got to have that competitive, just, just, you know, they've just, it's bred into them. It's all they know. They're just yeah. competitive guys. But uh, he won the transmiss Pearson Cootie did this earlier this summer. And after he did, you know, he, you could see where his head was. He said, you know, this is all part of the plan. This is helping me take that next step. I want to be the number one amateur in the world. So he has his sights set at the highest level. So I think we're only going to hear more and more out of this kid. You know, having a grandfather that's a master's champion too, you know, when I got a chance to talk to him, especially in this interview, it's just, it is fascinating where, how he started in the game along with his brother. So, um, you know, I think everyone's going to enjoy hearing a little bit of that story. Uh, talk to me about Isaiah Salinda, who went out on top at Stanford, winning a national championship. Yeah, that, that would be the dream. I think if you're a senior, you, not only does your team win the national championship, but it's in a match play format and Isaiah um, along with his senior teammate, Brandon Wu, those guys were both three and zero in match play. So they, you know, were called up and they delivered and they took home that NCAA title. But I think uh, Celinda should have a good feeling coming back to the U S amateur. He made a semifinal run here. So I think that should give him some confidence. Um, his kind of big thing last summer was winning the Pacific Coast Amateur. He finished, you know, top 15 there this year, so that that wasn't huge. Um, I was surprised to see him miss the cut at the North and South, which was also played at Piners number two earlier this summer. So, you know, since the summer season started, I mean, he won a um, – a regional at the end of his college season. He had that great NCAA performance. He also won the Western Intercollegiate, which is one of the toughest college tournaments on the West Coast. So, uh, you know, it's not as if he's not playing good golf. Um, he didn't win a big summer amateur tournament. But I think, you know, if we're talking about somebody who in the last year has put together a really strong body of work and has been there over and over again, I think Isaiah Slinda is that guy. Well, and the, the other thing that you mentioned about this this Texas freshman class that is coming back, 
Um, Stanford has reloaded too. So they have Michael Fjordbornsen, who's a former U.S. junior champion, and Carl Phillips from Australia, who's right up there in the rankings as well. They're coming in as freshmen to Stanford. So I think both those squads could meet up again at the national championship next year. Wouldn't that be cool if we had a rematch? Uh, I would like that. Yeah, so that'd be fantastic. Well, uh, we're going to catch up later this week when you're on site at Pinehurst at the USAM. Try not to spend so much time in the merchandise tent. Get out there and get some stories so that, you know, the listeners can can get some insight from you. And uh, we'll do it again soon. And uh, thanks for coming on. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for the insight. I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of The Road to Hoylake. Let's get to our conversations with Pearson and Isaiah. Pearson, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Well, I I mean, you've had just this whirlwind kind of a summer. You know, you get done with your freshman year at Texas. You run into, uh, you know, you go to the national championship. You make that run all the way to to the finals against Stanford. I guess the the easiest question right now is have you had a chance to kind of breathe a little bit and let the let the summer kind of kick in? It's been really hectic. Uh I mean with national championship and then I, I got a couple weeks off before going up to Water Moist for the Northeast, but it just it kind of feels like a blur. Everything just ran together and now it feels like summer's over. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going by so fast that I, I actually can't believe it. So I, I definitely want to hit on the national championship and, and your, your freshman year at Texas. Um, I mean, what, like two, three years ago, you're playing junior tournaments locally, and now you're on the Golf Channel playing in the national championship. So we'll, we'll unpack and get into all that stuff. But how did you put your summer tournament schedule together coming out of school? Was it something that you kind of already had planned, or did you make any changes based on the fact that it was a Walker Cup year? just kind of curious you know you, you vaulted up 28 spots from 62 to 34 in the world rankings after your win at the transmiss you're the 15th ranked american so i'm just curious was walker cup even on your mind for this summer um yeah it definitely was um it, i mean it kind of not that i was thinking about it last year but um i was still technically a junior golfer last year at the beginning of the summer and i won the thunderbird invitational one of the ajgas and kind of moved up and I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it then but before I won that event I was just outside the top 100 in Wagger so I was I was in no tournaments other than AJG Invitationals and like Transmiss gave me a spot in the, I, the Southern Am but like it's kind of been it's been a fast year uh, I had a great week I had a great week down South Beach and moved inside the, I think like the 80th or something in Wagger and like just kept moving up and kind of after I won that event, I was like, you know, I have so many tournaments in the two year wagger system. If, if I keep playing well, there's no reason I couldn't put myself in that kind of contention or at least have a look at Walker Cub. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm playing with Cole every day and I, I mean, and Cole's a great player and I see him play every day and I know he's going to be on that team. And I would tell myself, there's no reason I can't win a tournament or win a couple tournaments and be right there. So, yeah, I've been thinking about it the past, I would say, six months after I won down in South Beach. And then this transmiss win kind of really helps me because um, I had a big I had a big kind of slowdown. After I won that uh, down in South Beach, I got pretty sick and had to sit out about five weeks. So that was a really hard kind of like dent in the process. Yeah. And then coming back and trying to play the first few college events, I, just, I didn't play well. Uh, but then things kind of got better and yeah, I was lucky enough to pull out the wind down in, uh, I transmiss. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I can't imagine just the first year. I mean, your 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 freshman season, you're coming into college. I mean, forget about the fact that you're playing against the best players in the country, but you know, they they probably want you to go to a few classes, which uh, you know is a little bit different than just going to high school. And then you're trying to balance social life. You're trying to balance just new surroundings and new everything. Your twin brother Parker is there along for the ride there with you. You guys are, you know, on the team, both honorable mention, all Americans. Looking back at that first year, how important was it to have your brother there on the same team with you? Uh, it was. I mean, it was great. It was kind of the only thing that uh, that was familiar at right. school. Uh, everything changes. Everything, but living with him and Cole and then Will Thompson. I mean. That was kind of like, it was nice to have like your solid friend group back at, at your place. So you weren't always like, instead of going to like some random school right. and you don't know your roommates, that was, that was really settling knowing that like, all right, we're all communications majors. We're all in pretty similar classes, have the same schedule. We can ride to the golf course, workouts, all that stuff together. So that was really nice to have, uh, just because, I mean, UT has 65,000 students and it's an unbelievably large campus. Sure. Oh yeah. And, and you just feel like the first couple of weeks, you just feel like you're wandering around. So yeah, having my brother there was really, really nice. You know, I just, it just hit me right here. You know, you're a communications major and you're doing a podcast. You're doing fantastic. Are you getting college credit for this? Is this the only reason you agreed to come on the podcast? Is this just to kind of, I'm, I'm definitely going to save this and show it to all my professors and yes. see if I can count it towards something. Yes. And they could coach me up too. Cause I really don't know what the hell I'm doing either. So I, I'm all about, I mean, if they can, there's like a commuter course or like some sort of an online thing I can take, just let me know, have them, have them reach out. So that's perfect. Um, I will. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh so, man. So yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about a little more about family. So you, your your brother is there with you. You guys grew up playing golf. And for people listening, that the name Cootie rings a bell. Yes, that is your grandfather, Charles Cootie, 1971 Master Champion. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you've done a handful of interviews where that's gotten brought up. But I, I like the fact, or I think I'd like you to speak about how you got into the game of golf and maybe confound maybe someone else's perception of what your upbringing in the game would be. Perhaps people would think, oh, well, of course, he's going to have a, you know, there's a golf club in his crib and he's on the range at the age of two and he played his first tournament at six. And, you know, can you talk about your your upbringing in the game of golf along with Parker's? Yeah, I mean, that's everyone's perception is, yeah. oh, yeah. You're, you're your granddad whenever played pro and then my my dad played professionally he didn't have quite the success but he still played professionally for eight eight years and yeah. played in college so i mean everyone has a perception of us just walking out on the range and just hit having these great swings and just playing golf our whole life and and that's just it's just not true because we we were never forced into it my granddad got recruited to tcu to play basketball he was never like a golf star growing up and he then he ended up falling in love with golf and he was lucky enough to make a living out of it. My dad grew up playing other sports, and so Park and I uh, did also. I mean, we were always around golf, but I remember at one time I sat down and told my granddad I hated golf when I was about oh, six, God. <laughs> six or seven. I was like, I was like, I don't want to go to the range. Like he own, he owns a golf course in West Texas, yeah. and I was just like, I was like, you know, I hate golf. I don't want to go to the range today. And he just looked at me. And he, I think I caught him off guard. But he goes, All right, what do you want to do? So he's. He's supportive whenever we do. So we grew up playing football, basketball, baseball, all the way up until high school. And then 
kind of when we started getting some recruiting letters, uh, and we hadn't really played anything competitive. I mean, I qualified for the U.S. Junior uh, going into eighth grade, or the, the summer after eighth grade, and I that was my first time getting AJGA stars. Right, and like I thought that was the biggest deal ever, and like I knew so many so many kids that were like full of jump on AJGA already, and like I was just happy getting four stars. So. It, there's a little bit of a process that we went through. I mean, you could say we got into it later, but we were around it our whole life, and we were never forced into it, which is why I think it's helped us so much now to want to go practice and want to get better instead of just someone being all over us all the time about like what we have to do. And so we were very fortunate to be around it growing up and have the upbringing we did. Yeah, and I think that's great because, like I, you know, I've said on other episodes, and with you know, there's so many parents that listen to the podcast, and you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, how do, how do I help my son or daughter navigate the the, the waters of making that jump from high school to college golf? So, you know, you were recruited by by several schools. You ended up at Texas. I know your father played at Texas in the '80s. So, I, I guess maybe what is one piece of advice maybe that you receive from whether it's you know your dad or your grandfather or maybe other people that I'm that you've come in contact with about making that jump to college uh college golf was there ever you know really any good advice that you kind of received I mean it's it's really simple as far as if you don't believe you belong then you're not going to make it you gotta you gotta stick with what you know and kind of just go play if you if you question why you're there what you're doing being a college golfer, a pro golfer, at any level, whenever you make the jump, if you don't believe you belong there, then you're never going to succeed. I think. So you have. So what you're saying, and if I'm if I'm hearing it right, is that whether you're going to a, a D three school and and you're going to be the the big fish there, or if you're if you feel like you want to be at a mid level or whatever you decide is where you're at, that's that's pretty much what you need to target. Yeah, and then you got it. Yeah, exactly. And you just gotta you gotta know you belong where you do and you got to make the best out of it you can't i know a lot of i mean i have a lot of friends around golf and stuff and some of them have doubt uh i mean freshman year they have doubt about how how they play and stuff and they didn't perform that well even though they're a lot better players than they are you just golf's i mean golf's a finicky game you just kind of got to keep going with what you got so let me ask you about this national championship. You make this run, you you guys. Uh, first of all, you watch uh, you watch the national championship on TV, and you look at the Blessings Course in Arkansas, and just absolutely looks gorgeous. But Oklahoma State had that huge uh, margin of victory in the stroke play portion. How tough was that golf course? It's really hard. It's, <laughs> they didn't they didn't punch the greens for over a year, so they're insanely firm. Uh, super elevated greens, and then, I mean, just the bunkers had so much sand in them. You never got a good lie. You oh. couldn't hit fair. You really couldn't hit that high quality of fairway bunker shots. It's just there wasn't anything in your favor other than like soft zoysia fairways, but everything else was just brutally hard. So basically, stroke play really kind of identified more of the the, the pitfalls. I mean, if you match play, if you lose a hole, you lose a hole, you move on. So oh yeah, for sure. You know, I, I don't think that told the whole story of that place just because one team, you know, just kind of went off. It doesn't really share the story. So you, you get in uh, to match play and what's, you know, when the, when the match tree kind of comes out, are you looking at the fact that, okay, if we want to kind of get to the finals, there's a very good chance that we're going to be going up against, you know, our big 12 
conference rivals in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So did you guys have any look at that or? Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> exactly. We're like, all right, I mean, let's go be to Oklahoma and see what we can do next. And I mean, Parker played, Parker had a great week at the national championship. He played, he played really, really well. Uh, and his point, his, I mean, we had all finished. And so you have all these OU fans that drove in and like we had some Texas fans that drove in and so you have probably uh, whatever, a hundred people watching. So, I mean, for a hundred people to call it a golf thing, oh, the yeah. green thing, things around it, it feels like a good amount of people. And he, I mean, he made an awesome about 12 footer for birdie on the 17th hole to take a one up lead and just, yeah, that was, and so then, I mean, once we won that match, we're like, all right, Oklahoma. we actually, in the Big 12 match play in the fall, we beat OU in the morning. It's 36 all, so we beat OU in the morning and Oklahoma State in the afternoon. And Coach just reminded me, because he goes, hey, y'all already done this once, so let's, uh, let's try and do it again. So in the back of our head, I think I think that little comment was like, we've been here, like we've done this. I mean, we beat Oklahoma State before. There's no reason why we couldn't again. And then, uh, I mean, Cole, Cole and I got off the hot starts, and I think that was kind of like, that was nice. That was really nice, especially Cole. Uh, I mean, he played, obviously, unreal against Wolf. So oh, that yeah. was just, that was an awesome match. Uh, I got mine done early. And then Spencer Stusman, I think, played a huge part in keeping Victor Hovland kind of quiet, uh, taking him to 17 green. You get Victor up that point early, and all those Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma State had just insane amount of people out there watching. Oh yeah, and you get all the fans and stuff. So that was that was huge to kind of keep that match going as long as possible. And then, I mean, Steven Stravoni, our only senior, just I, I don't know how he, I don't know how he made that birdie. However, he did it just blows <laughs> my mind. But it was one of those. It was the most unbelievable moment I've ever like experienced in golf. Uh, you mentioned something about your brother, so I have to ask you what what's worse? Are you standing over a you know a, a a fifteen footer left to right to to win a match, or are you having to watch your brother try and make a putt like that to win a match? Oh, watch! One hundred percent watch. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but when you're watching, when you're hitting the shot, and you're kind of like you don't think about all the bad things, but when you're watching golf, you just, you can't think about anything but the bad things that could happen. <laughs> and it's your brother. I mean, it's, I mean, that just, makes it, it, it's terrible. Makes it so much worse. Like I want him to do so much. I want my, I want everyone to do well. Like I never would root against someone, but like when it's your brother, oh. it makes it even worse. Oh, that's yeah. That's gotta be uh, insane. So, so you're, you know, I looked at your matches, um, you know, that you had against, uh, you know, Quade Cummins in Oklahoma, and then, you know, you, you, you fell to him, but then you took down Hayden Wood uh, at Oklahoma State and then uh, a loss to Brandon Wu in the finals. But I'm, it's probably not something you were thinking about at the time, but if you look back and you realize, okay, I went up against, you know, two seniors and a redshirt junior, um, I'm sure the games are all right there and comparable, but is there maybe something that you're seeing in a junior or a senior that you're – that you didn't have as a freshman or maybe something that, okay, that's something I need to work on in the next couple of years. That's something that's missing from, from my game. I played great against Quaid. Uh, I, I was a couple under par and Quaid just played. I think he was like four or five under. He played unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Brandon Wu. He was four under bogey free. And I think I was one under and or even, and he was, 
they both played great, and it's because they made they made the birdie putts. They made the ten to fifteen foot birdie putts on tough greens that I wasn't making. There wasn't there really wasn't much difference ball striking wise. Uh, I mean, around the greens, it's just kind of. I mean, it, yeah, it's just golf. Yeah, yeah. It's, just making, it's just making putts, and it's just kind of all the tour stats and everything leads toward being a great ball striker, but. To be a great player, you got to make the putts, and that was that was really the deciding factor of both matches. Just they made a couple ten to fifteen footers when it counted, and yeah, it's it's tough. But yeah, I mean, looking at those guys, they have a lot more match play experience, and uh, that's something. I mean, I'm looking forward to with the Western and kind of getting back into that. And sure. I think I think I can do a lot better now uh, after getting that feel of it. For sure. Yeah, that's great. So, so let's talk a little bit about your your summer schedule moving forward. You got the, obviously the transmiss is 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 you know is all taken care of now. Um, you know we're talking here towards the end of July. Uh, what uh, what are your plans for the rest of the summer to kind of make that final push? I'm not playing the Packers game, but it's just it's just Western and then the USM. Yeah. Uh, the Walker Cup's always all match play, so both both rounds you got you got to show yourself in stroke play and show that you uh you have the game and then you also got to capitalize in match play and it's easy to say but uh you just gotta go do it there's not a there's not a whole lot stopping yeah exactly anyone. right you're in, you're in the best spot i mean you you got two tournaments in front of you and it's it's pretty cut and dry you you do the best you can in those two and see where you end up afterwards right exactly i'm not i mean i'm not worried about it i'm not yeah i'm not one of those guys to dwell on it i'm gonna whatever happens, I'm going to get over it pretty fast, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a great opportunity. And if you'd told me a year ago when I was 800 in Wagger, I have a chance to make this Walker cup team. I would be more than happy. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to go play the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned your teammate, Cole hammer, you know, that guy, um, yeah, that, that, may, know him. that guy. Yeah. He, he, uh, number one ranked in the world practicing and playing with him every day getting to know him and how he approaches it. Of course, I think you, I'd imagine you guys kind of have the fact that you've both have been in the spotlight, whether it's, you know, you walking onto a golf course and the, the family lineage and maybe getting a lot of attention for that early on. And then obviously, you know, Cole playing in the U S open at 15, he's been dealing right. with that for a long time. Are there things that maybe you guys share that perhaps two teammates of another program probably couldn't share that, maybe have helped you along the way or helped him along the way, just being around someone that's been in the spotlight for such a long time. And we're great friends. I think we're just, it's, it's helpful for both of us to be on the same team together because he's obviously a great player. And I would like to think I'm, I'm pretty decent sometimes. I I love watching Cole around the greens. It's it's actually like one of the most ridiculous things you'll ever watch in golf. So (laughs) I'm always kind of watching him and seeing what he's doing and, it's uh yeah, it's been great so far and I think I think we have a really kinda great year ahead of us. Uh having yeah, I mean having Cole there with us, we have a lot of the hype and attention around our team, but I don't think it's any any one of the guys on our team aren't used to. Uh everyone was pretty highly recruited, but um it's been a great it's been a great team and I, I'm really excited about next year. Yeah, that's uh th- that's going to be a lot of fun to watch you guys uh, coming in for your sophomore season. You know, whether it's it's there's a lot of really storied programs or you know, there's Oklahoma State obviously and Stanford and 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 Texas has got to be right there with the people that have come through that program whether it be you know, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Dylan Fertelli just picked up a win and Jordan Speed, yeah. obviously, and Justin Leonard and Estes and Crenshaw and Kite. And we can go all the way down the line. 
Has there been a moment or have there been a couple moments where you've actually had the chance to spend some time with a former UT golfer where, you know, obviously your dad played there and your, your, your grandfather's history, but did it ever kind of hit you a little bit? Okay. I'm, I'm part of this very distinguished list of, you know, I'm in the UT family now and that really hit home. Did maybe a situation where you ran into a former player kind of solidify that for you? They have a big all American wall with, I mean, countless names on it and and all this stuff and i just whenever i was doing recruiting visits that was my favorite thing to go look at and i would always go in there and kind of look at that wall and uh, parker cole and i are going to be on that wall and it's going to be it's going to that's going to be a really surreal moment of like yeah. i'm like in this program forever and uh just showing up the first day like down to our facility and seeing obviously my name on the locker and getting my ut bag is like this is real. Like this finally happened. Uh, I'm going to be a part of the Longhorns. I mean, forever. So that's, yeah, I, I'd say really early on freshman year, just getting that bag was just kind of the final moment of realizing it, it's all happening. I, I think that is something that any young player, I, I remember it way back when I got my bag in college golf and we're not going to talk about when that was Pearson because <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do that. So, and, and my, uh, and my bag didn't have any longhorns on it. Let's just say that, but I, <laughs> but getting the bag is still a thing, no matter what level you're at, whether you make a, you know, an AJGA uh, all-star team or you make a, um, or, or any sort of invitation, getting a bag is a, still a big deal, isn't it? It was it was a big deal. I mean, when I won my first AJGA, I loved that bag to death. When I played in the next highest level Invitational, I loved that bag and used it yeah. to play in the next highest. Level. And getting the UT bag, it's just it's it's great. It's 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 more important to me than getting any Invitational or AJGA bag just because it has such a lifelong meaning to it. But I mean, sticking with the bag thing, I mean, if if I end up being Oh yeah, a pro and everything. Getting that staff bag with my name on it is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. So, getting the bag just kind of symbolizes where you are in golf, and it's just kind of a nice confidence thing, I guess. And no, you're you're 100 right. Like, I, it doesn't matter like how old you get. So let's get you out on one last question. I know you got to get out there and get practicing, get playing today, and get, uh, get you know, <laughs> kind of get going. I, I'm sure you can't talk to me all day unless you're, you're going for doctorate points with your communications degree, but. <laughs> So let let's put let's put you and and Parker together on on the same team. Alternate shot. You can't pick anyone on the current Texas team, but who would you two like to go play against in an alternate shot match of UT former players? Who would you want to play against? Uh, JP or John Paul Abear is our assistant. Yeah, I would I would love to see. You. JP and my dad together. Oh my god! <laughs> I, you want a piece of your coach part, and I, your dad? I think I think that. I mean, no matter what it came out to be, I don't know how I don't know how well they'd play, but it'd be <laughs> it'd be it'd be a lot of fun seeing that. That's awesome. For sure. That's awesome. Well, Pearson, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. I know that you got the the next two big ones on the calendar. You got the Western. You got the USAM making that final push. I uh, wish you the best of luck. Uh, along with this summer and then obviously next season at, at Texas and, uh, and enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of your summer and best of luck to you. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks Pearson. All the best to you at the USAM and at Texas next year. Our next guest, graduate of Stanford university, national champion, Isaiah Salinda, national champion. How's it sound? Oh, it sounds awesome. 
uh, never get tired of it. <laughs> well, <Pretty cool. laughs> it was funny. You know, I, I talked to you and Brandon Wu uh, right around, I believe we spoke around like February of, yeah, of yeah. this year. February, yeah. yeah. And you guys had just kind of started your spring season and I kind of yeah. got the vibe that you guys were, I guess, kind of treading water, so to speak. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we didn't have the best fall season and, um, I think after, yeah, after the end of the fall season, we, we dropped outside the top like 30 or 40 in the rankings, which was, you know, kind of unheard of for, for Stanford golf, at least in like recent memory. So we knew we had some work to do over the off season, but, um, you know, we knew how good we were and how good we could be. We just had to try to be patient and keep working at it. Yeah, and you know, I think the last time that you guys didn't win as a team was, I believe it was right around Vegas, which was I think March area, and then after that, you guys just go in this great run, winning your your home tournament, and you guys, mm-hmm. uh, you individual at the at the Western Intercollegiate. Mm-hmm. What does what does it take to get on a run like that, and and how much belief did you have in your teammates that allowed that whole thing to happen? Because as I said, it's your senior year. You're, you're trying to go out with a bang, but you see it not happening and you see things are kind of flat. When, when, when does it all change and you guys just get on this run? Yeah, I think you said it. I think belief was, is, it's a big thing. It's a powerful thing, um, in team sports and in college golf. And, you know, you just have to do your part to, to try and play your best and contribute to the team. But, um, you know, Brandon and I, we, Brandon got off to a great start in the spring and then, um, you know, that kind of motivated me and I know, I knew that I needed to start playing better and, um, you know, was able to figure some things out and started playing better. And, um, you know, we just believed in the other guys too, that they would, you know, be there when we needed them. And they, um, you know, they played great. We have a deep team and, um, you know, we just needed those guys to step up and, and they did at the right time. I'm not going to go through the, the, the Pac-12 championship, which you guys uh, won as well, but, you know, we go to this national championship. You had a great stroke play session where you finished tied for sixth, and then you guys actually get into the, the, the match play portion, you know, top eight teams. You're the sixth seed. And I think if a lot of people look at some of the matches that went on, they'll, they'll look at, you know, maybe your match against Cole Hammer in the finals, um, you know, maybe Cole Hammer's match against Matthew Wolf, where where that was just a, a crazy front nine that those two went on. Uh, Hammer actually won that match. But I have to ask you about the match that I watched live, and it was your quarterfinal match against Wake Forest, uh, Eugenio Chikara. You know, yeah, he's a freshman, but he was the ACC Freshman of the Year. And there are listeners that are not going to understand what that match was like. They'll just see that. Yeah. Yeah. Celinda won it. Yeah. That's great. Um, can you just share with listeners a little bit about that match? Cause I think it's incredible. Yeah. That was a pretty, pretty wild match. Um, I got off to kind of a tough start, um, made a couple bogeys early on. And then, you know, Eugenio played really well in the front nine. He probably made like three or four birdies. And yeah, but after the ninth hole, I found myself four down through nine, which, you know, sounds like, you know, not impossible to come back from, but it's a pretty big, pretty big margin in match play with nine holes left. But, um, you know, I had Coach Ray walking with me in that match and, you know, he kind of gave me a pep talk at the turn and told me to, you know, stay positive and then try to turn this thing around one hole at a time. 
And I ended up, I won the 10 pole, our 10 pole. I made like a 25 footer for birdie to win that hole. And then from there, I just, you know, the momentum kind of, kind of switched in my a favor a little bit. And I won, I think I won six straight holes. You did. Um, yeah, I won six straight holes and, and I think I won like three and two, three and one or something. You won three and one. You're you know, just like yeah. you said, you're four down through nine. I've never seen anything like that. Have you ever seen or, or been involved in anything like that at all? I've never, I've never come back from four down. Um, that match play though. Um, yeah. you know, things can, things can switch, you know, after one shot, after one hole. And once I started, you know, hitting it better and made some putts, just kind of put the pressure on him and, um, was able to, to put together a good back nine to win that match. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring up that Chikara was a freshman, uh, you know, you're obviously senior graduated and, and, you know, this is your, you know, you're looking at this as your last round possibly in, in the Stanford yeah. Cardinal, you know, you mentioned you're just like one hole at a time, chipping away at it, you know, forcing, putting pressure on him. Did you uh, notice anything in his body language? Did you, were you aware of, of him maybe just kind of losing control or, or losing confidence or were you just kind of blinders on doing your own thing? Yeah, I don't really think you can do that in match play. I think you have to, like, be aware of your opponent. You have to pay attention to what he's doing. And, you know, yeah, I, I paid attention to his body language for sure. Um, and after I won, like, two or three holes, I, I think there was one hole where I, I kind of got up and down for par or something. And, you know, it, it was a hole that I probably shouldn't have won, but I ended up winning that hole. And, you know, I could tell he was, you know, he's a freshman, like he's never been in that position before, yeah. um, national championship. So, you know, naturally he's probably a little bit, you know, a little bit flustered and, you know, I kind of saw that and, you know, just tried to keep it going. So yeah, I think you have to pay attention to that in match play. You go undefeated in the match play portion, just like, uh, Brandon did actually. And, you know, you go, you go, you win three and two against Patrick Martin from, uh, mm. um, Vanderbilt and then you are in the finals and you're playing Texas, and you're up against Cole Hammer, you know, freshman of the year, and he's been used to pressure situations, played in the U.S. Open when he was 15. First of all, let's go Let's go back to what time the final match started. Uh, how early were, was – what was the wake-up call to get ready for that final match? Oh, man, it was probably – it was probably like 4 or 4.30. So they moved, the, yeah, they moved it, was, it up yeah, because they moved, of the weather. yeah. I moved the tee times up to, I, I think the first, I want to say the first match was at 6.30. Oh, God. Or sit like, maybe even earlier. I don't remember, but I was off before 7, for sure, I think. And, yeah, the sun had like just gone, just gone up. And it was an early, early wake-up call. But, I mean, when you're playing for in the finals for a national championship, you know, you're not. Doesn't matter what time it is, you know, or how tired you are. Sure. Well, you guys are just running on adrenaline right there. Do you? Uh, yeah. Do you go to Coach Ray and say, uh, "I want to go off first, or I want to go off third, or I want a piece of, uh, you know, one of the cootie boys, or I, I mean, like how how did how does that go? Yeah, we, I really had no input. I don't think any of the guys really had any input in it. Um, you know, we kind of trusted Coach to to uh, get the matchups and get the favorable matchups that we wanted, um, and I think it worked out great. Well, you beat Cole Hammer four and three. So that's, I mean, just such, you know, three incredibly impressive match play victories for this being a, a Walker Cup year. And, you know, that's, you know, what you're targeting. 
couldn't be more mm-hmm. important than that. You know, right now you're the 10th ranked American in the world amateur golf rankings. What has been maybe your strategy this summer? What have you tried to do to kind of come back down from the high of winning a national championship, but also kind of peak at the right time going into the USAM next week? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it definitely took a little, little bit of a break after, after national, after national blaze. Um, I've just been focusing on, you know, kind of just doing the little things, right. Trying to get, trying to get a routine down this summer to kind of prepare for, for pro golf. Um, like I, like I said, the routine down, seeing my coach, figuring out what I need to, uh, work on in my swing and also, um, you know, just trying to get my, get my body right for all the golf that I, um, will probably be, be playing, um, the rest of the year and, and next year. So I think that's been the key, not taking it, you know, not putting my body through too much, like in terms of tournaments, but, you know, just trying to do the little things to get ready for, for all the golf that's ahead. You mentioned, you know, kind of taking it easy this summer and resting up, maybe, you know, decompressing the brain a little bit from all these amateur tournaments you're playing. Uh, what mm-hmm. is what is maybe something you've done this summer that just completely outside the, the spectrum of golf that maybe someone on the outside looking in would be a little surprised to hear? I mean, yeah, I, di- I didn't really go on any, like, graduation trips. I know a bunch of my friends went like, you know, to Europe or Asia <laughs> after graduation, nice. you know, before work starts. But, um, I didn't really have that. I mean, I took a trip to Minnesota, Minneapolis to, um, like hang out with my girlfriend and her family there. And I was actually, we were actually at the 3M open, um, when. Oh, really? What'd you think of it? Yeah. I was there. <laughs> uh, when Matt and Colin were, were in the final group and, it was pretty awesome watching them. You know, I was just being a total fan outside the ropes. They were pretty surprised to see me. But, uh, uh, that, okay, so they didn't—they didn't know you were going to be there. No, they had no idea. I was just there watching, and um, it was pretty funny, though. I mean, they—they're the nicest guys. I played with them. I played with them quite a bit in college, and you know, couldn't be happier for them. Um, so it was cool—cool cool to be there and see that. Did you, did you, did you like pull the prank of like going up and excuse me, Mr. Wolf, can I have your autograph and just like him like blindly just sign something and not even look up at who it is or? Um, well, as soon as they saw me, they were like, you know, they knew they were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> they were kind of surprised. <laughs> um, but I had them each like sign a, sign a golf ball for my girlfriend's little cousin. Nice. Who's a baseball fan. So, um, yeah, they're definitely, uh, you know, they were doing it for the fans that week for sure. Nice. I'm curious. And I think it's, it's interesting just all this young crop that's coming up where it's uh you know, Colin Morikawa and Wolf and Hovland. And these are the guys that you, you play with just less than, you know, less yep. than six months ago. Does it, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's giving you motivation when you're going to get out there and turn pro and chase it, but it just has to be such an incredible, just, you just look at these guys and they're inside the ropes. You're like, wait a minute. I just saw you getting off of a van carrying your own stand bag and eating, yeah. you know, a sandwich at, at, you know, in between rounds. Um, but that's, that's where you want to be pretty soon as well. Yeah. You said it. I was, you know, I, I just played, I played with both of them at, um, at NCAAs and the stroke play part. And then, you know, like a month later, less than a month later, they were, you know, winning tournaments on tour. So, um, yeah, yeah it was definitely motivating. I mean, I was at the, at the time and, and, um, in Minneapolis watching them, I was definitely a little bit jealous, to be honest. But, um, you know, definitely motivating. You know, I want to, I want to be out there doing what they're doing and, and competing with them, you know, on tour. So that's the goal. 
to, to go out in, in your senior season, you know, with a degree in one hand and a, and a trophy and a ring in the other, I think you, you did, I think you and, um, you know, Brandon, and I think, I think you guys did it right. I think it's uh, incredible how you guys capped that, uh, capped that career at Stanford and yeah. you got Walker cup. How long was Walker cup kind of on your radar? I mean, is it something that has been at your, on, been a target for you for quite some time? I mean, it's, it's basically, I'm, I'm guessing this is the last step after this USAM next week and Walker cup. Yeah. I mean, you're turning pro, yeah. I assume. Yeah, definitely been on my mind, on my radar since, uh, the practice session in December. Um, that was really cool to be a part of, to be with all those guys. Um, and ever since then, I, I think, you know, it was a no brainer for me to, 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 um, you know, wait a few more months, um, before turning pro just so I to see if I could make the team and, you know, do everything I could to make the team. Um, you know, there's no, no greater honor in Amber golf than, than playing for, playing for your country, uh, in the Walker Cup. So yeah, I thought it was, worth definitely worth waiting for yeah so so i'll ask you a final question you're coming up to uh the, your your final usam at pinehurst um any experience at pinehurst or just kind of what are your thoughts going into uh going into this usam you've had great success there in the past i know you clicked your buddy hagestad there last year at pebble um, yeah so uh you got you got you're probably going to see him out there too so uh what are your thoughts going into uh going into pinehurst uh i'm just really excited to play um you know, my last USAM and at Pinehurst, um, which I, I hadn't played number two or number four until earlier this summer when I played in the North and South. Um, it was my first time seeing the courses and, um, it's definitely tough. I think it's going to be a really good test. Um, I think going into the greens, you have to be <clears throat> really, really precise with your irons, <clears throat> um, just with how the greens are shaped and how penalizing it is, um, around the green. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to, to start to start the week and hopefully make match play and see how far I can go. Well, I think it uh, I think it's a nice way to cap off the uh, the amateur career. Congrats on getting that national championship at Stanford and then you know getting that degree. And how how, how happy are you not to be doing any studying and schoolwork for a little while? Oh, it's amazing! It's a great feeling. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely a grind for four years, and now it's like you know I have nothing academic. To, to worry about it's kind of kind of a relief but you know it's pretty great it's just more time for golf you know yeah so, you, 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 can um, the, you can let the brain and, breathe a little bit right yeah exactly well isaiah congrats again on all your success at stanford uh you know uh, enjoy the usam and uh you know make that final push for the walker cup all the best to you and uh, we'll catch up again soon i'm good thanks son and there you have it. Special thanks to Isaiah Salinda. Congrats on your national championship at Stanford. Good luck at the U.S. Amateur. Also, thanks to Pearson Cootie and Julie Williams from AmateurGolf.com. Enjoy the U.S. Amateur. We'll see you again later this week on the road to Hoylake here at the back of the range. <laughs>